So today, we're going to be talking about salt and light. And that's why I had Jackie read the, what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Because here's the thing is, if, if, if you look at text, you can't take text out of context, okay? So, Jesus says a list of things. And by the way, it's not blessed are those, it's, if you're a Christian, all of them apply to you. Not one of them, all of them. That is what a Christian is supposed to look like. That is what the Beatitudes are. They're not just things that we go through. That is going to happen to you. These are things that, that will go on in your life. And then he goes on to say about salt and light and that, that what we're supposed to be. So in Matthew 5.13, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Everybody in here has experienced salt, okay? Have you ever known salt to lose its saltiness? It doesn't. Salt can't lose its saltiness. But, but, when Jesus talks, he usually uses symbolisms, okay, in his, in his, in his questions. So, so what he does, what he's saying here is, is he's going into what happens. Do you know what salt, what salt was a commodity in Jesus' time? You've heard, you're not worth your salt. Have you ever heard that expression? You're not worth your salt. It comes from this era. That's how old that saying is. Because the Roman soldiers would be paid in salt. So if you, wanna, if you want to, to, to do something to make more money, what would you do? Just like the drug dealers do, they cut the salt with something else. So they cut the salt because now it looks like there's more salt than there was. So that's what, it's became polluted. The salt is now polluted. So what is it good for? It's not good for seasoning. By the way, how important was salt, do you think, in them days? Really important because they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have refrigerators to put food in. If they didn't cure their meat and preserve their food, it would go bad. So, so salt was very important. And that is why Jesus is saying, comparing you and me to being salt in this world. We're supposed to be salt, you see. Salt is a preservative. It is not possible for, for, for that salt to lose its taste. So we're not supposed to. If you've put your trust in Christ Jesus, okay? And I think most people, if not everybody in this room, have put their trust in Christ Jesus, okay? And if you've put your trust in Christ Jesus, you are supposed to be salt, okay? So... A lot of us grew up in, remember the 70s and the 80s. Do you remember the sitcoms in the 70s and the early 80s? And even probably the 60s. We would, I don't believe in there's, there's actually a Christian country, so I have a problem with saying that word. But, but there was a, Christianity was in TV in the fact that, that, there was morals taught in the shows you watched, you know. And, and what happened all the way up till nearly the end of the 80s, there was, it, we, in America, because we'd lost it a long time in England, by the way, before this. The, the, everything I see now in this world today, I seen before I left England when I was 20, the way, the way we live today is like when I left England when I was 20. It's the same sort of thing that's happening now. Christian Dumb is what it's called, died at the end of the 80s. 
So, so there was malls. You'd watch a show, like Family Ties or Leave It to Beaver. And there was always a moral you would learn in the story that was a family value, that was a good value, and you'd want your kids to learn that. But then the 90s came. And what happened in the 90s, sitcoms changed. And they would be, people would be sleeping together and not married and it would be, it would just end up like there would be sitcoms you'd, you'd watch, not me, but you'd watch because I don't like them. But, but uh, you would watch them and at the end of the show, they'd be like, what did I learn? Because you didn't learn anything. It was just about entertaining and, and saying that all values, and we've even come a lot further since the 90s to now. Christendom is died. But as Christians, we are supposed to be the salt of this earth. So we are supposed to preserve what? The faith. We're supposed to preserve what we believe as Christians. See, how many people have watched The Simpsons? Okay, you watch The Simpsons. Okay. What does The Simpsons do with Christians? They make us fools. We are compared. That if, this is how the world sees us, by the way. Ned Flanders. That's how the world sees that. This is today, that's how we're being portrayed, like Ned Flanders in The Simpsons. You see, the Beatitudes, verse 10, that Jackie read, says, We are going to be persecuted. If you live like the Bible says to live, guess what? You're going to be persecuted. People are not going to like you. Because you're going to have different views than the rest of the world. You're going to think differently than the rest of the world, aren't you? If you believe what the Bible says, I can tell you, you you could just watch TV for an hour and understand that this world does not believe what this Bible says in general. What is being put out there is not line up with Scripture. Okay? So, if you're following Christ, you should be living differently. The verse says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's, that's Jesus' words, not mine. That's why I love Jesus so much, because he offends everybody, and I just have to tell you that, that the words that he offends with, because he's the one who said it. And you see, that means if you're living a righteous life, you're going to be persecuted. People are going to hate you for your belief system. See, what we need to be asking ourselves then, if there is no persecution, if everybody likes you, if everybody likes you, are you really doing anything to preserve what you say on Sunday? You show up to church every Sunday. You show up to church every Sunday. Are you the same person when you leave as what you are when you're in this building? Because, by the way, the church isn't this building. This is just a building. A just building. We're blessed that God gave it to us to meet in so we can have heat on and we can have a cover over our heads. But the church is everybody sitting in the pew, in the seats. That's what makes the church the people. Because here's the thing, if we all disappear and this building's here, is this building a church? No, there's no people in it, so there's no church. So you've got to ask yourself, are you living like you want to preserve what you believe? 
Are you reflecting Jesus? We are God's ambassadors. Have you ever thought about that? You represent God. When you put your trust in Jesus, you are God's representative. 2 Corinthians 20 says this, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You have to remember, you were chosen by God, not by people. You were chosen by God. God picked you out and says, I'm going to save you. Because here's the thing. I can't save myself. You can't save yourself. According to the Bible, Paul writes, you were dead to sin. If you're dead, can dead people do anything? No, they can't do absolutely nothing. I've been around enough dead people and spoke to enough dead people and they've never answered me back. See, this is equivalent to the being picked is equivalent to, gee, you're dead at the bottom of the ocean and you're a rotting corpse. And Jesus dives in, pulls you out of that ocean, pulls you up, puts you on the bank and blows life into you. That's how you get saved, by the way. You do absolutely nothing to get saved. God does all the work. He does all the heavy lifting. See, and when you're saved, you get filled with the Spirit. You are filled, if you put your trust in Christ, if you've put your trust in Christ, you are filled with the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave. Do you understand that? You have the same spirit inside of you that rose Jesus from the grave. We don't act like that. We don't act like we have that spirit. See, because of that, we need to represent God well. If you've got the spirit living inside of you, You need to represent him well. And we go, well, but I'm still a sinner. I still struggle with sin. Do you know the problem with that? Do you know why we still struggle with sin? Because we live in a broken world. But other than that, it's because when you become a Christian, God wants you to be reading his word, praying, doing good works, worshiping him, If I actually did all of that, when do I have time to sin? If I actually did what God wanted me to do when he saved me, I wouldn't have any time to sin because I would be busier worshiping him and living for him. The problem is, the problem is we don't do enough. That's why I am so in awe and I think they had a lot of things wrong with them. In their, in their belief system. But I love the Puritans. I love the, the people that, 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 that lived in the 15, 16, 17, 18th century. Because they didn't have TV. iPads. Phones they could search all day on. And video games. They had, do you know what they had? The Bible. So they would get up before the sun came up and read their word and pray to God. And we go, and I look at that and go, do you know how many people came to faith during that era? Thousands and thousands of people came to faith in Christ. And I sometimes think, well, maybe if we started acting a bit more like them, not everything, because they had some bad belief systems when it comes to slavery and, and other situations they stood the ground on. But biblically, they were sound in the fact that they would take time with God. 
something that we struggle so hard to do because we are bombarded. This is not the best time to be a Christian, really. This is a hard, hard time to be a Christian because we have so many more distractions today in our lives. And we pick up our phones and we scroll through Facebook and we, we, we look at the, the next thing. We turn on a video game and, and zone out or we, or we uh, watch Netflix and we, we watch a whole stream of, of thing, of, of a show that we haven't seen. I mean, it's really prophetic when we think about it. I mean, we, we, we will spend all that time in front of a TV watching stuff. We will give our favorite football team three hours a week, okay? Yet, yet we want to be out of church in an hour and a half. It blows my mind. It really blows my mind that we can watch a football, a bunch of kids, because that's what they are, grown men kids, play a sport, and I watch football, so I'm knocking myself here too. We'll watch them. For three hours. And because of that, they're paid multi-million dollars to do that. But we don't give God the time that God deserves. I say we can do both. But it means taking time with God every single day. Because if you want to be a good ambassador... You have to have a relationship with the person that you're going to be the ambassador for. You have to know him. If you want to be salt in this world, you have to know God. There's only one way you can know God. This book right here tells you everything God wants you to know about him. Right here. This book, this one book, tells you everything God wants you to know about him. Man tries to tell us a bunch more stuff, but this is what God wants us to know. And he didn't even say you're going to understand it all. He didn't say we're going to understand it all. He gave us everything we needed to know in that book. And that's about God. To have a relationship with him. To be an ambassador for him. If you could watch... You, if you could actually watch yourself and you didn't know who you were, would you see a Christian? If you could watch yourself 24 hours a day, would you see a Christian? Would you, by looking at yourself, go, yes, that person believes that Jesus Christ has risen from the grave? Would you, looking at your life, think that? Because if you don't, you're not living the way the Bible calls us to live. We are called to be ambassadors, to represent God. The only way we're going to do that is if people look at you and they see God. Not literally, but they see that something's different. This person doesn't act like the rest of the world. Because you have to remember this. We live in a time, even more so today than any other time, that you are being watched 24-7, basically, by somebody. That's why news flies so fast. Because we walk around with video cameras in our pockets and we can film anything that goes on whenever and put it on the internet and it's everybody sees it. Would you really like your life this week put on that big screen for everybody to watch? Would you want your life put on there for everybody to watch? Even better, because Jesus does this. Jesus always ups the ante. Jesus says, even your thoughts. Even your thoughts. Would you like your thoughts from today put on that screen? 
Would you like all of everybody to see what you're thinking? Even right now. Here's the problem. That's a problem. We need to live with gratitude. See, Matthew 5.12 says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. But we don't do that, do we? Do you rejoice in all things? I wasn't rejoicing yesterday when I drove over a tequila bottle that was left in my driveway. Luckily, I got a full-size spare, and I got insurance on my tires. And I'm glad it wasn't my wife's tires, because they're brand, brand new. But, and she doesn't have a spare we can get at, because the trunk's locked. The, the thing about where it is, we can't undo it. But we're supposed to live with gratitude, God might have been trying to tell me something there. You need to slow down, Ed. You need to take time, Ed. You're moving too fast. See, but we're like Veruca Salt. How many people have watched Willy Wonka or read the book or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, whatever you want to call it? Okay. Most people know who Veruca Salt is, don't they? She's, She's the character that nobody wants to be like. And she, if you're Baruch Salt's dad, you wish you weren't. Because in the movie, she wants the golden ticket. So her dad has a peanut factory that now is unwrapping chocolate bars to find the golden ticket. They're not even eating the chocolate bars. They're just unwrapping them to find the golden ticket. Because Baruch Salt says, I want the golden goose and I want it now. But before she says that, she said to her daddy, I want a golden ticket and I want it now. Nothing changed, did it? She got the golden ticket and then she wanted the golden goose. Want, want, want. Wasn't grateful for even one. See? William Arthur Ward said this. Feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and never giving it. Could you imagine that this year? You buy all your presents that you're going to give out this year for Christmas, but you leave them under the Christmas tree and you don't give them away. What would be the point of that? The point of buying Christmas presents or presents at all is to to give because, and by the way, we do this because Christ gave us and it's just a, a representative of what he's done for us to show people, look, he's a gift giver, I'm a gift giver because he's a gift giver. And the joy is in them opening the present. There's no joy just to wrap something up and put it under the tree. There's no feeling gratitude unless you show it. You see, we we are supposed to live a life of gratitude for whatever God throws our way. Do you realize there is nothing in your life, nothing in your life, that flat tire yesterday, by the way, had to go through God before my tire got flat. I believe that everything is allowed by God before it happens. He's got, so if I was diagnosed with cancer tomorrow, God, it's got to have gone through God's hands for me to get it. God, is, God has got to have said, I'm going to use this to glorify my kingdom. He has to because everything goes through him. Nothing takes God by surprise. I don't think he would cause the cancer, but he allows it to happen. I'm here, and I've told this many times, because my father-in-law passed away. I believe that he could have saved my father-in-law's life if he wanted to. But he wanted to use that to bring me to Christ so I could become a Christian, follow him, 
he could call me, he'd already known that he was going to call me to ministry, that I could answer that call and I could be here preaching to you today. God allowed all of that to happen. He allowed the, 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 my childhood. Do you know when I realized I could forgive my dad? When I could actually be grateful for how, how he was a dad, even though he sucked. Even though he wasn't a good dad during my childhood. I had to be grateful because that's the dad God gave me. He didn't give me a perfect human being because there is none. We all as parents have made mistakes. So we have to live a life of gratitude because if you live a life of gratitude, you're going to reflect God to other people. But if you walk around with a, I deserve this, the world owes me attitude, you've just fallen into the same trap as every other human being on the planet. I deserve. Do you, see, do you know what I deserve? Absolutely nothing. I deserve to burn in hell. That's what I deserve. I understand that. I deserve ultimate punishment because I am a sinful human being. I deserve hell, but because I put my trust in God, I get heaven. Not because of anything I can do, but because of everything he's done. So if I live a life that says God owes me, and I'm not telling you, in my walk, I've been there. When my mom passed away, I was mad at God and said, you owe me, God. I preach your word. I do this. I do that. You owe me. And then I had to think when I was saying it to myself, I'm like, you don't owe me anything. You give me more than I could ever have. I don't deserve anything. I have to live to be grateful. And it's hard to live that way. But when you don't live a life of gratitude, you're just a bitter, horrible person that nobody wants to be around. So you can't represent God well because God is not a bitter, angry God. The text goes on to say, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, light your light. Shine, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are like the moon. I've said this before. You see, but you're not the light. The moon's not the light, is it? That lights up the night sky. The moon is not the light. It's reflecting the sun. You've got to remember, I'm not the light, but I'm supposed to reflect the light. We can only do this because we've accepted Christ. John 14, 15, 17 says this, if you love me. So by the way, this is Jesus saying this. So Jesus is saying, not me. If you love me. So if you say you're a Christian, and if you say you love Jesus, and you should, if you say you're a Christian, you should say, I love Jesus, okay? Because if we can all agree on that, He says this, you will keep my commandments. How can we suck at the second part of that? He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. And later in verse 21, he says this. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. 
See, we are being made more like Christ. See, we need to not get our identity from the world. We need to get our identity from Christ and Christ alone. That's where we struggle. We want to conform to this world. We want to fit in to this world. You should ask yourself these questions. Can my life count today? Can my life count today? See, I want you to see your journey differently. I want to see you to see that Christ called you to follow him. Not to say a prayer, but to follow him. That means to turn away from your old life and pick up his life, following him, doing what he asks us to do. Colossians 3.17, Paul writes this, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And you know what? That whatever, in the original language, means whatever you do. Whatever you do. You think it? Whatever you do, you should be doing to His glory in His name. If you're being a parent, you should do it, you should do it for His glory, His name. If you're in a marriage, everything you do in that marriage should be done in the glory of God and by His name. See, so at the end of the day, you can say, I did what God planned for me to do today. If you live like you're called to live. You see, this should get you excited. You should be excited because this means God is not just looking for you to just exist. He doesn't want you to just exist. But he left you here for a reason. Because when you accepted him and said, yes, God, I'm going to follow you. He didn't go and whoop you up to heaven and end the story. No pain, no suffering. He left you here. He left you here for a reason. Because he's not finished yet. He wants you to come alive. When you think about Jesus, do you come alive? When you think about Jesus, do you come alive? I was obnoxious when I became a Christian. Super obnoxious. Ask my wife. Ask Sue. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't go anywhere. Ask my children. I couldn't go anywhere without bringing the topic back to God. I mean, everything in my life, when I got saved, God just went, and, and I would talk about God all the time. I look back and go, wow, I could have chilled out a little bit. Uh, but I loved, I loved what he did to me so much that I couldn't stop talking about him. I think sometimes when we get saved, that's how we are. See, he wants your life to count. Think about it this way, and I think this is a good idea. Think about your dad. What is said about you at your funeral? Think about it. What is going to be said about you at your funeral? I mean, usually they're, they're pretty nice at funerals. 
But are they going to say, wow, that person was so godly. That person followed Christ and loved Christ so much. That you see all these people in this room. They've came here because that person changed their lives by the way they lived. God has given you a whatever to reflect to the world. It makes you come alive. I read a book. Part of when I realized that God was calling me, I was reading a book, and and it was it was going through all the stuff that makes me feel alive to Christ. And I'm like, I just want to talk about him all the time. And then, audibly, in my head, he spoke to me sitting in this chair saying, I'm going to call you to ministry. It's the only time he's ever spoke to me that I've heard his voice. And I was scared. I'm undereducated. But God called me anyway. Because he can use anybody to do anything if you're willing to do it. You see, the rest of the world needs to see you come alive. Not this church. The world needs to see you come alive. John, I've got two more points. (laughs) Just so you know. They're fast points, but I've got two more points. Yep. So what is God leading you to do? That's why I said, what is he leading you to do? How is he leading you to live your life? How is he telling you to represent him well? Not just to your family. Not just to your family, but to the world. I mean, isn't it amazing that God uses broken people to reflect his glory? He uses broken people. We are all broken. And God is the one who's gave you a purpose. So ask yourself, what then is my purpose? God didn't create you to be rich and famous. I'm not saying he didn't want you to be rich and famous. There's a difference. Our purpose as Christians is one thing. It's to make Jesus' name famous. We're not trying to make Jesus' name great. His name is already great. He has the greatest name. See, he's the only one who came from heaven to her. He created the universe by speaking it. He gave life to all things. He gave his life for you and me. He was raised from the dead. And scripture says... He has the name above all name. The one that one day, that one day, by the way, like Dave said, there's going to be sheep and goats. All knees will bow to him. But some of them won't willingly bow. See, our job is to make Jesus Name known, not great. It's already great. You understand there's billions of people on this planet that we call earth that don't know him. There's people all over America, all over India, Africa, Asia, Australia, you name it that don't know 
God's name. See, our purpose is greater than our passion. In Romans eleven thirty six, Paul writes this. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. See, we have to realize our passion is bigger than me. My passion is bigger than me. And realize that, that my passion came from God. It's something that God put inside me. He gave me all of my talents. Every single gift that I have. Every ability I have to do. He gave me. Why? For his purpose. Not mine. Not to make Ed's name great. But to make his name great. I want to die and everybody forget me. And, and remember Jesus. I hope that that's my legacy in life. That when I die, that people know Jesus because I existed, not know me. God is most glorified when we come alive in our passion that he has given us. And we do it for his purpose, not our own gain. Because there's a lot of talented people out there that God gifted with talents that don't believe in God, that are making lots of money on the gifts that God has given them, but they're not glorifying God with them. See, we were created by Jesus and for him. Your unique aptitude and gifting as came from him. We were created to have a relationship with him and to live a life that leaves an imprint on this world. Your fingerprint, God's fingerprint through you is supposed to be left on this world. He's going to use your fingerprint to leave a mark of his fingerprint. I think that's amazing, as confusing as that sounds. But are you doing good? Are you living a life that is glorifying him? Or are you just doing time? See, most people in the world just are doing tick-tock, 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 another day off. Tick-tock, tick-tock, another day off. See, God not, did not just want us... To do time here on earth. You see, everyone in America celebrates Friday, don't we? Do you know why? They say, thank God it's Friday. They do. And then some guy goes, hey, this is genius. I'm going to name a restaurant Fridays. Because then everybody will come to me on Fridays because I named a restaurant Fridays. Because we love Fridays because it's the end of the work week. Because we're just doing time. We should love Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays. We should love all days. You see, your purpose of life should bring the very best out of you. Does your purpose, does what you do day by day bring the best out of you? Is it bringing the best out of you? And maybe you're not doing your passion right now. But even so, your purpose is to bring the very best in everything that you do. You know every job has stuff that you don't like to do. Every single job. I've not found a job that doesn't have aspects that I don't like. But I am supposed to do my best in all things. Not just parts of it. There's, part, there's parts of this job I don't like. But I do them parts because I like other parts. And I do it because God says, this is what I want you to do. 
but you need to bring me glory in all the aspects of it. Not just the parts you like. There were certain jobs when I swung a hammer that I did not like. And there's parts of that job that I loved. And Jesus does not just want you to do time. He wants you to do good in this world. He wants your life to count for His See, realize you can't give God anything that he didn't give you first. Even if you don't know your passion, you should know your purpose. And that is to bring glory to God and God alone. That is your purpose. If you believe in Christ, that's your purpose. To bring glory to God in all that you do, no matter what it is. See, we need to look for an opportunity to do good at our job, in our church, and in the world. And we need to remember why we exist. We exist to bring glory to God. C.S. Lewis writes, says this, And I think if we started living life like this, we would be the salt and light in the world. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love somebody, you will presently come to love him or her. By the way, Jesus doesn't say, he doesn't give us a choice when it comes to our neighbor. And loving our neighbor. He doesn't say love the nice people. Love the people that believe like you. That walk like you. That talk like you. The same skin color as you. He says to love your neighbor. By the way, your neighbor is very big. Your neighborhood is bigger than you think. Because when he tells us to love our neighbors... He is telling us to love all people that we come in contact with. And that's hard. That's really hard. I like what C.S. Lewis writes here. That that you just act like you love them. And you will begin to love them. We've all been around people that we didn't like and ended up liking. So this week, I want you to read the Beatitudes again and ask yourself, am I living the way Jesus taught? Because this is the way Jesus taught us to live our lives. We should be reflecting some of these attributes in our life. We should be feeling some of these pains in our life if we're following Christ. Or am I just conforming to this world? Am I just reflecting the world and not reflecting the sun. Because I think a lot of us live our lives thinking we're reflecting Jesus, but we're really reflecting the world views that we like, that we feel can move us. Ask yourself, what can I do to live differently? And preserve how Jesus showed us how to live. Jesus told us how to live. He wants us to preserve that. That's why he wants you to be the salt of the earth. And then, take inventory of your life. You should do this on a regular basis, by the way. At least once or twice a year, you should take inventory of your life. You should look at how or if you are serving in your community, in your church. And if not, you should look for ways you can serve. There's not one person, not one person can tell me that they cannot serve God in some way, shape or form. We all make excuses. We all make excuses of why we can't. And I'm telling you, there is no reason you can't. They're just excuses because you don't want to. 
Look in ways that you can plug in and try new stuff. You know, that's what we have to do. We have to try new stuff. And, and by the way, you're going to try some stuff. You, don't, you, you go, wow, this isn't for me. But don't give up. Because just because one thing's not for you, doesn't mean something else isn't for you. There's always something that you are good at. That you can give to God as a sacrifice. And next week we're going to talk about sacrifices and giving to God. And we're not just going to be talking about money next week. So just don't not come because we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about time, talent and treasure next week. Because they're all gifts from God that we're supposed to give back to God. Let us go out in the world today and start living our lives like salt and light. Impacting the world for Christ. By the way, do you know what gives it, this, this makes, do you know what makes this easy? Do you know what makes it easy? How many people do you think you can save? The answer is zero, by the way. You can't save anybody. That's a big weight off your shoulder, isn't it? Because all you've got to do is live a certain way. Talk about Jesus. You're not responsible for the outcome. You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. There is one Savior. His name is Jesus. He does all the saving. So guess what? If that person you're praying for doesn't come to Christ... That's not on my shoulder. That's not on your shoulder. That's on God's shoulders. So we don't have to worry about it. How freeing is that to live like Christ told us to live? How freeing is that? that It's not my responsibility to convert the person. It's not my responsibility to make them Christian. It's God's responsibility. It's my responsibility to reflect Him in such a way that they can know Him. That's what it's like. That's what it's supposed to be like being a Christian. It's about living a life that glorifies the King. And that's how more people are going to meet Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for everything that you do in our lives. You are an amazing God. None of us in this room deserve your gift of grace and mercy. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. But you came. You paid the price. And all we had to do is is absolutely nothing. One day you grabbed our hearts. And pulled us out of the muck and the mire. And saved us. Help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to reflect the Son as only you can. We're broken, God. Help us to be in the Word more. Help us to pray more. Help us to worship more. Help us to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.